while we three meet again in thunder, lightning, cold and rain. When the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lasted, what? I couldn't help but wonder if that will be air the set of sun. Well, in that case, let us begin the incantation. I say into pie, up a baby, up and die. I say it's a pie, up in baby, up in I. In comma, Kariyama. In Kori, Simon Sharma. Hey. Hi. Gay. Bye. Bye, bye. Bye, bye. Da, 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 da. Oh, it's like that movie. Did you ever see it? It's the Big Diva Film Club. Glenn Coco. Coco, you go, Glenn Coco. Not some chicks, bro. Ah, oh, I'm in. Fritz Anderson. In. Mary Moore. Your Vicks. Wagon Wheel Watusi. Oh, oh, God, I love that movie. Welcome to Diva Film Club, a beloved offspring of Big Diva Energy, a podcast for and about fabulous people being fucking extralent. Brought to you by Holly Morgan and her husband. I'm Holly Morgan, I'm obsessed with Davis, and my husband Tom is also here. Booked and blessed. And for our inaugural Diva Film Club, a tasty little side hustle which we'll be releasing on our Patreon, somewhat like a zombie X fleeing into the undergrowth, we're studying the seminal, spooky, sensational, hocus motherfucking pocus. Here's how the shit's gonna go down, witches. We're gonna serve you some sweet, sweet facts and triv. This is the Aural Cinema Lobby. You're getting your popcorn, you're getting your pick and mix, you're sneaking in some handbag wine. This is cinema. Then it's the best bit, the trailers. Except contrary to boring, tried and tested conventional wisdom, we're going to break up the main event with trailers throughout the film. Edgy, revolutionary, confusing. That's right. You're going to get some delicious oral nuggets, ear nugs, from some hocus pocus super fans. We've got the wonderful Amanda Brown, who is the... uh, originator of the Hocus Pocus Facebook group. There's but one name in our spooky Rolodex. It's our first ever guest, lauded comic, actress and playwright, Nick Lamont. And hang on to your fucking wigs, you lucky little witches. We've got the legendary drag diva contributor, none other than Peaches Christ. I mean... The genius behind the outrageously entertaining Hocum Pocum, a loving and hilarious drag parody slash tribute. And these sumptuous little ear nugs will be the dead men's toes floating to the surface of our main brew. Tom and I dissecting this diva fest in depth, damn it. Alliteration. Are you actually ready for this? You best be because trivia is going to happen now. Now! Now! Okay, so if for some reason you have not seen the film Hocus Pocus, what... What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? Why do you hate Halloween? Come on. Oh my God. Oh my God, it's the best. Is it your favourite? Yeah. Yeah. It's your favourite holiday? Absolutely. It's it's my favourite holiday. That's what I heard. Yeah, it's very much one of of my favourite films as well, whereas you came to it late. I did, late in life. I think a lot of things came to you when we got together. Um, Various infections, I guess, would have been a gag I could have made in there, but I didn't. But you didn't, and crucially, that's what sets you above the rest. Absolutely. You didn't go for the easy gag, did you? You just went for no gag. Exactly. <laughs> Which is what I said when we got together. <laughs> hi Dirty jokes get dirty work. Sorry. So, uh, yes, yeah, a filth-free zone. No, um, it was. It's just. it's just the greatest film ever made. And what makes it so good is that it's quite bad. I think. I think that's one of the things that makes it a camp classic. Yes, but you did the same thing to me Mm. over 
Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm. <clears throat> Another one of my favourites. Which I had watched as a kid. Yeah. And had not enjoyed to begin with. Mm-hmm. And you made me watch it again. Yeah. And I just went, this is, this is crap. Like, this yeah. is, this is terrible. Yeah, it's really bad. And the difference being that, yes, Hocus Pocus is maybe objectively bad. Yeah, if you're a, like Roger Ebert, we'll get to that bit. We'll get to that. Who I thought was Roger Ebert for the longest time. That's very kind of you. No, it's more prosaic. Yeah, it's Roger giving Ebert. him a pretension, which he definitely had. Right. did not occupy in yeah. terms of his own name. Exactly. But watching Robin Hood back, I just went, this, no, this is genuinely crap. You just love this because... You watched it when you were a kid and you fancied Alan Rickman. Yeah, who doesn't? I'm not made of steel. No. But um, yeah, I mean, look, we've gone off topic. Well, I only meant that... <laughs> so I could talk about Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves for another hour. Which we won't do because <laughs> it's bad. Mm. Uh, but Hocus Pocus, on the other hand, I watched mm-hmm. at your behest. Yep. Having never done it. No, at your behest. I think like I wanted to watch it. Mm-hmm. I was aware of its work. I was aware that it was... a. Uh, it was a missing jigsaw piece yep. in the overall cultural uh, jigsaw that was my life. Mm-hmm. And you're making me sound like Jigsaw from Saw, just yeah. subliminally. You sound like you really want to hurt me somehow. Mm. But you didn't. That's didn't. the point. The Hocus mm-hmm. Pocus, I watched it, and much like The Princess Bride, yep. I watched it and went, oh, this, no, this is fucking great. Yeah, it is absolutely You can't great. deny that it's It's not like if, you, if, if you're a, you know, a film person. A film. Yeah. A filmman. A filmman. Ebert. If you're Ebert, if you're Roger Ebert, yeah. you can't help but think like this is a badly made film, which is like <laughs> doesn't hold together properly mm. with some performances that are quite frankly out of the woods in terms yeah. of, um, it just, just watching it, I just went, yeah, this is, this is, this is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it's quite ill con- misconceived. Like, it, Let's just break this down. In 1993, Disney released a children's film for children, as is their wont, which is predicated around the central concept of virginity. And and no one batted a fucking eyelid. So there's this, the basic premise is this: like the Sanderson sisters, they're three witches in Salem, Massachusetts. They get put to death for killing children. Once again, it's a Disney film for (laughs) children. One of the kids they murder within the first few minutes of the film is called Emily. Her brother, Thackeray, turned into a cat. She's called Emily. He's called Thackeray. Yes. Although I definitely heard it as Zachary for most of my childhood. But I've been doing a bit of research. It is Thackeray. Oh, maybe that was intentional. Maybe because it becomes... Zachary is a really 90s American boy name. Whereas like Thackeray Binks is not. But so they basically, yeah, his sister gets murdered. He gets turned into a cat. Now, (laughs) the witches have got the time and magic to turn Thackeray into a cat, but they don't have the time or magic to resist being killed by humans with a rope. (coughs) Just, just, this is what we're getting, this is what we're getting into with Hocus Pocus. Flash forward to the 90s where Max Dennison, a recent arrival from California, is obsessed with the yabos, sorry, breasts of his classmate, Alison, and in a bid to impress her, inadvertently brings the Sanderson sisters back from the dead, japes and sue. So that's what you've got, basically. Virginity is the, is, is central, pivotal. Virginity. Yabos. <laughs> Virginity. Time travel. Yeah. Tits. Magic when it serves the plot. Japes. That's it. That's your vibe. Japes are plenty. Yeah. So oddly, this is not how the film's creatives pitched it to Disney. You ready for some triv? Ready for triv. Lovely. Uh, thirsty for triv. Yeah. David Kirshner, 
had the original idea from a bedtime story which he used to tell his children. Was anyone involved in this given a cursory DBS check? Right. Exactly. I just want to know. I just want to know. I we just want to know. We just need know. facts. Kirshner is clearly like a spooky little fucker, right? So when he was pitching Hocus Pocus, he went all out and decorated the pitch room. <laughs> it's included hanging witches' brooms on the ceiling, pictures of black cats drawn by his children, and candy corn. Can you imagine going in to interview for a job, essentially, and being like, I'm going to theme the room. A, how did he get access to it? Yes. He must have had, like, I don't know. Someone on the inside. Someone on the inside was like, come on, David. Like, do it up like a Halloween grotto. And somehow, during this mad pitch, maybe they were so overwhelmed by all of the kind of the glitz and the gore, they forgot to say, hang on, David, did you say that? Did you say that the kid has to be a virgin and that's really yeah, important he has to the to be plot? A virgin, yeah. You do know this is a kid's film. Well, you know we're Disney, right? Yeah, but he's a kid, so he's a virgin. Yep, they were just dazzled, dazzled by the kid. You know, like call. normal kids. Yeah. And afterwards one of the executives ran after him and he then said, Don't take it anywhere else. We want to do it. So, you know. Great. A hit. Hit off the back. Do you think they're just they're just really taken by rubber hanging bats and spooky cobwebs? God knows. Look, Disney have made some unfathomable decisions. This isn't their worst one. There is Song of the South. This, <laughs> but somehow they did make parts this... of Dumbo, parts of Dumbo, bits of Peter Pan, Pocahontas, across the board. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they were all in. So the film goes into production, but according to Kathy Najimy, who am I saying that right? Yeah, I is think it Kathy so. Najimy or Najimy? said Najimi. Yeah, well, that doesn't necessarily make it right. No. But Najimi is what we're going for? Yeah. Okay, apologies to the listeners if Najimi is not correct. Yeah. So, according to Kathy Najimi, who portrays Mary Sanderson in truly iconic fashion, the movie was cut and edited completely differently than it was filmed. Najimi says that there are as many as five huge scenes with the witches that never made it into the movie. So according to Najimi, the Sandersons were originally the leads, but Disney decided that the movie should be more family and kid-friendly. So they made the story involve the kids just as much, if not more, than the witches. They thought that this was a family-friendly movie. I'm sorry, were they on crack? Yes. Yeah. Because no matter how much they cut that to ribbons, I saw the final edit. Exactly. It's... It was not family-friendly. No, it starts with kid death before swiftly moving into a boy being ridiculed for, losing his, for being a virgin. It is what it is. Yeah. Now, they rehearsed this for a month, according to Kathy Najimi, because there was flying and dancing and singing. Oh, well, in that case. You've got to rehearse. So go the, have a month. The director, Kenny Ortega, would go on to direct all of the high school musical films. Oh. Mm-hmm. As well as Newsies and Michael Jackson's This Is It documentary. Huh. So... Obviously an authority on things that are appropriate for children. <laughs> Flying, dancing and singing. Wicked. More hot triv? Yeah. Anyone care for some more hot triv? Flaming hot triv. So they filmed the majority of the film in Salem, Massachusetts. Yes. The elementary school is a Salem school and the town hall where the big party is thrown is in Salem too. Allison's home, the Ropes Mansion, is now also a museum. Hot fact, we've been there. We've been there. On our actual honeymoon. Yes, why? Because I was writing a show for that year's Edinburgh Fringe and going to Salem allowed us to write off our multi-destination pan-American tour as tax-deductible. And because you're a spooky bitch. Because our brand is what? Consistent. Consistent. Bit more trivia? Give it. Rosie O'Donnell was offered the part of Mary. Can you even? And 
Leonardo DiCaprio was actually offered the role of Max. Can you imagine? He would have been great. He would have been really good. Yeah. Been really good. But probably better than Max was. Probably. Where is Max now? He declined. Declined. Not Max, sorry. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio declined. Yeah. And instead went on to play Arnie in What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah. Which I think got him an Oscar or somewhere nearby. Yeah, it basically made people go like, fuck me, he's a good actor. Which a... no one said about the guy that played Max. No. No. No one's ever said that. I don't know. Is anyone? address the fact that he looks so much younger than than Alison of aforementioned Yabo's fame Alison looks like a fully grown ass woman yeah again Yabo's and Max looks like a strange little boy I'm like are we surprised he's a virgin no we should be praising him for not having been you know how old was your boy the guy that played him Mm. haven't looked up look haven't looked it up Mm. look it up nah Got some more triv? Getting the flavour of this, aren't you? More cast triv. Doug Jones, who played Billy Butcherson, improvised all of his lines. Get out. Yeah, he ain't got that many, though, has he, if you think about it. He's basically... he just scream like bones or well, something. Well, <laughs> no, he's mute. His mouth's sewn up for most of the film. Oh, and then he, like, yeah, and he wrenches his mouth open. And according to the script, he was supposed to call Bette Midler a bitch. <gasps> yeah, I know. Outrageous. However, Jones was uncomfortable about this he said uh, I told Kenny Ortega I'm not comfortable just throwing the B word out when our audience is going to be kids expecting a Disney happy movie apparently the only fucker that was aware of the brief (laughs) well done Doug Jones he's talking to the one man who clearly hasn't read the brief the director (laughs) yeah exactly so instead of bitch Jones came up with the much more kid friendly wench trollop you buck toothed mop riding firefly from hell improved incroyable Improv from, I mean, was he genuinely channeling like an early modern poet? I don't know, maybe. He'd had a bit of time while everyone else was doing their lines, I guess. We're like, I'm going to go and wench. I'm going to be honest. It, it smacks of uh, American in the 90s enjoying the idea of uh, English, ye olde Eng- Englishism. Oh, and there's plenty of that in the prologue. Can't oh, wait really to get is. into that bit. Um, wench so- and trollop as well. Like the fact that he wouldn't use the word bitch, but yeah. had absolutely no concern with wench and trollop <laughs> because he clearly didn't know what either of those words mm-hmm. actually meant or where they came from. Yeah, that's fine. I love it. Uh, right, so you know when he wrenches his mouth open, moth- I do. moths fly out. They were real. That's right. They were real. That's his commitment to the part. He had some moths on his tongue. And they, yeah, apparently. I mean, you'd think from that, you'd be like, no, absolute bullshit. But actually, we'll look at it when we watch the film. I don't, they're not so CGI. They're real moths. And they were in his mouth. That is the, apart from Silence of the Lambs, I can't think of of a greater contribution from moths to cinema. Or Um, Mothman prophecies. I, it's a mothman. He's a mothman. He's a so man made of really moths. moths the problem. Is he a man who doesn't get No, he's a man that lives in your drain. Yeah, he's like a kind of, like, he's like a Bloody Mary type figure, isn't he? He's like a kind of phantom. Yes, it's a famous, it's quite a famous... A uh, mothman. Yeah. Um, mothman and hedges. He's the Asia O'Hara of mm, Very acting. good. Yes, he is. I would like confirmation, actually, that no, no moths were harmed from Imagine that. how tragic it would have been if, if he had Asia O'Hara'd it. Yeah. He'd opened his mouth and they'd just gone. Just a load of <laughs> soggy dead moths had, had just fallen out down. and landed on the ground. That might and be everyone the had outtakes. Gone, what were you meant to be doing? And he'd gone. Why well, they supposed to fly out my mouth when you opened it? And he'd gone. Well, it didn't happen, did we, it? Yeah. So you lose. You've killed loads of moths, Doug. Yeah. Doug, what's wrong with you? It's and he would have lost film. the final of Hocus Pocus. 
Unbelievable. Anyway. More hot trev. More. More. We've give got it. even more. More hot trev. Give me, give me more. The Divas prepared for the broom sequences by driving around with the choreographer. Mm. Najimi recalls, Sarah was like very front forward, so she would hold it close. I was like very 10 and 2 while I was driving. So the choreographer was like, that's how you'll fly. No mention of Bet in this anecdote. Maybe she can't drive. Maybe she gets driven. Of course she does. By this point. Driving Miss Midler. <laughs> Absolutely. <gasps> My new one-man show. Oh. <gasps> it's basically buyer and seller. With Bette Midler. But I'm her driver. Amazing. Yeah. Hot pitches. You know when you pitch it, you should go into the room beforehand and do it up like a car salesman's place. With Bette Midler fan stuff. Either a shrine to Bette Midler or a garage. And it feels like it'll work as well because we uh, a one-man show is the best thing you can come up with these days. Yeah. Because there's no other cast. We don't have to social distance. We don't have to bubble. It's just me. Me and the image of Bette. Get this hot pitch to the, to Kenny Ortega. He'd be all ben over Midler. it. <laughs> hot pitch. Okay, so this film has obviously a killer, a central trio, a triad, a triptych. Of? Of Deves. Yes. Now, Najimi had just slayed in Sister Act, uh, but she said she struggled with the character a little bit. Uh, she remembers that she was one day, she was in rehearsal, and then she decided that Mary was like a bloodhound. So that's where that kind of sniffing thing that she comes up with. Oh, yeah. And the sort of slightly sloppy The crooked mouth. smile, all Najimi. So I love from the anecdote that you can tell that Najimi's got like real chops. I bet I haven't, I haven't done any research, guys. Look, this is this is a this is an extra. I'm busy doing I'm busy. It's Bernurse. Yeah, it's a Bernurse. I haven't done the full research. But I imagine that she like The full recherche. Yeah, I think she probably trained at like uh, oh. the Meisner place you know yes uh, the actor's studio yeah yeah, yeah yeah full like you, you can tell with Najimi that she's fucking hilarious but she does the work she's improv comic isn't she probably they don't do the work they just make it up on the fly <laughs> famously yeah um, I would say she looks more like she's had a stroke <laughs> I thought that for a long time when we were first watching it because uh, as we previously mentioned, I, I was not a child when I watched it. I was a grown-ass man. Yeah. And we were watching it. And you thought... And I was like, why is this witch had a stroke? Well, she's back from the dead. So maybe... Maybe that's what she was going for. Maybe she was like, realism. You come to Najimi for realism. Okay, so you've either basically got buck teeth, mm-hmm. big tits, or you've had a stroke. Yeah. Okay. That's it. That Between the three of them, that's the sort of... That's yeah. what they're going that's for. What, yeah, exactly. Cleavage teeth or stroke. The new game. <laughs> All of the above. The new Little Deaver Energy <laughs> section. Cleaver? Cleaver? Cleavage cleavage Cle- teeth or stroke? Hard to say when you've got big teeth like I have. Cleavage, cleavage. Well, your teeth. Um. I'm either cleavage or stroke. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah. So, SJP, long before SATC, had shown her comedy chops on numerous occasions and do not forget the Vokes. She'd played Annie on Broadway. So yes, that is her voice in Come Little Children. Yeah. Like the Come Little Children song. Is terrifying. It is terrifying. We'll Again, get to that as we'll a grown ass man. Yeah. Well, when you look when you we'll find this when we watch it back, but do look out for the number of times she sexualizes children. She's like, children. That's her vibe all the way through. She's just gonna like, let me play with them. It's always I disagree. Ah. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Right. 
much. I think she sexualizes everything. Yeah, that is like true. every single thing that comes across her path. Dead man's toe. Children, men, pets. Yeah, everything. That's her vibe. Yeah. yeah. Although, actually, on the broom, bus drivers, Mrs. An opportunity. She could have been like, that's a big stick. Going at it. Probably in one of the five deleted massive scenes in which she simulates sex with a broomstick. <laughs> Yes. They thought, fuck it, easy, kids. We're going to have to cut that bit. Literally have to do it. I mean, if he won't say bitch, that bit where she slides up and down that broom. <laughs> the striptease on the broom's going to have to go. It's got to go. It's got to go. It's got to go. But got other part in <laughs> Sex in the City. Yeah, exactly. Someone saw those outtakes and went, she's the one. I th- honestly, I think SJP needs to reevaluate her career. <laughs> Oh, and re- I think a lot of people think that, to be honest. Because After Sex of the City too, She's so good at comedy. If you think about her in this, and you think about her in First Wives Club, also with that Midler, a couple of years after this, 1996, I think, is First Wives Club. She has got the chops. She's fucking hilarious. I think that we're we're missing the fact that she's just a good, she's a good actress. Yeah, she is, actually. Because I don't know where this thing has come where, where we have to, like, redefine her. Mm. Because... Everyone loves Sex and the City. Well, not everyone loves Sex and the City, but it is, it's Beloved. obviously incredible. Yeah. But Family Stone. Yes. She's great in it. Yeah. She's the straight person. Yeah. In it. She's brilliant. Like, she's funny in it, but she's also like, like her drama chops are great. Her comedy chops are great. She's a great actress. She's good in divorce as well, to be fair. Yes. Yeah. So what's the problem? Uh, Kim Cattrall's come out again recently. Oh, we were never friends. <gasps> One of the greatest moments in the Diva She's sphere. re-come out about it. Has she? What's she said? She's recently re... She's doubled down on it. I've met Kim Cattrall. Have you? She was very nice. Was she? Yeah, she's charming. I sat behind SJP and Matthew Broderick at a film premiere. Hot takes. Hot I trip. will say this. She looked incredible. Yeah. He looked like he'd just crawled out of a bin. <laughs> like a, a recycling bin. <laughs> He had a suit on him that he, he looked like a small boy wearing his father's suit. Right. Even though he was a middle aged man. Sure. He also looked like Ferris Bueller, mm-hmm. which is who he is. Funny that, yeah. But like Ferris Bueller had melted a bit. <laughs> like, he just sort of looked like as Ferris Bueller, he'd put on his dad's suit. Yeah. And then he'd got really old in it. <laughs> right. Like one of Billy's moths. Yes, <laughs> but everyone says he's a lovely guy. But I mean, I didn't speak to them. I just sat behind them and died. Yeah. But she looked incredible. Ugh. She just looked like it was kind of like who's this homeless bouncer that you have following you around? <laughs> I fucking love SJP. I yeah. love that. I love that she's a cunt. Yeah, she should be. Yeah, she deserves to be. Big deep energy. She's in Hocus Pocus. Uh, but Obs the Divine Miss Bet is the marquee act. We've talked about a lot of other people. <laughs> yeah, we have back on track. Uh, Midler. Obviously, like, owns this film. The slays pl- it. She slays it. Uh, there's some great triv for you here. It was revealed during a D23 and Creature Features panel that Bette Midler would have assistants follow her around the set of Hocus Pocus with dictionaries and old curse words. <laughs> Can you even? B- Bette Midler got people to follow her around with dictionaries. <laughs> so that's where she comes out with some of those things. They're like... Um, so some of her lines yeah. are from like ye oldie cursy wordies that she'd found or her assistants have found. So they're not in the script. Yeah. She, more improv magic from Bette Midler. Absolutely iconic. Okay. And then it doesn't get more BDE than this. She comments on her own divadom. <laughs> so in Gypsy, Mama Rose says, hello everybody, my name is Rose, what's yours? Right? 
And then Winnie goes, hello, Salem. My name's Winifred. That's yours. That's her referring to her own diva <laughs> That, that. Her own part? Had she played it at this part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She'd done it. She, they, they did a TV movie of it. She's not the originate. She didn't originate it. No, it was Lansbury, I think, was the first time yes. Rose. Or the As no, we covered. No, oh, God, no. Of course not. It was um, Ethel Merman. And then it was Angela Lansbury in the revival. Which we covered. Yes. In our Angela Lansbury episodes. Go back and listen to it. And please do give us a five-star review on iTunes. Exactly. Not only was she referring to her own history of playing Mama Rose, the costume department were actually using... Costumes from Gypsy. What? Yeah, because they were in such a tight budge. Some of the costumes in the party scene are from old Disney productions and old films. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. So you've got like pirate costumes from Treasure Island. And there's some costumes from other films that I don't know, that I've never seen called The Sword and the Rosy Island at the Top of the World. And, and Tron. I've Tron. Heard of, I've heard of Tron. Yeah. What are they doing dressed as Tron? I know. Well, obviously the mum is dressed as Madonna, isn't she? Yes, which is like uh, di- Divinum in itself. Yeah. One of the main reasons for this podcast to love uh, Hocus Pocus yeah. is the fact that the mum is dressed as Madonna from the Blonde Ambition tour. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's the Gautier look, isn't it? It's the Gautier look. And apparently it's intentionally a bit shit. The costume designer's like, oh, I get really embarrassed because people always remember it and it's like, it looks it's really better than the one you were wearing in your show. Yes, yes it is. Um, and she does this really, I love the bit with the, when, the, when the, the mum's like, she has this great moment where she's like, I think one of the kids asks her who she is and then she, she does a little bit of Vogue and she goes, Madonna, like she knows she's kind of fucked up and done oh. it a bit slightly shit. It's so life. But what I really love about it is the fact that she's got a radio mic. Mm. <laughs> she's not just shown up as like, oh, this is the thing that Madonna wears. She's shown up as Madonna on stage. Yeah. She's got a radio mic. Obsessed. It's like turning up as Britney in the red cat suit and be like, well, I've also got a mic. Yeah, because I've fully realised this look. Najimi, bet super fan. So my whole life, no. yeah, she's a super fan. She said, my whole life I've been a really sycophantic fan of Bette Midler's. Uh, I'd, she'd broken in backstage on Broadway in Los Angeles into the theatre. This is, I'm, I'm, yeah. She'd done a singing telegram to her from somebody else that was really from, from Najimi. Like she'd properly been stalking her. <laughs> and then she sort of slowly revealed throughout the course of the, course of the filming that she was like a mega fan. Oh, Can that you was imagine? me on that voice note, sorry. Can you imagine being trying to be chill when you're like, well, she's not if you watch the film. No. <laughs> Maybe that isn't a character choice. That she's just falling to bits. <laughs> Still more triv. We can't stop with this triv. Can't stop till you get enough. Can't stop the triv. You might have had enough. Still more. <laughs> triv Tyler. So <coughs> Gary Marshall, who directed Pretty Woman, Runaway Bride and The Princess Diaries, all iconic movies, mm-hmm. plays the guy that the sisters think is Satan. Yeah, he's that cameo. That's the guy. Yeah. He is known for making small appearances in his own films and including his family in the roles too. This time he wasn't directing, but Gary and his sister Penny Marshall played alongside each other as a couple. That's weird. Yeah. It's a choice, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Why would you say to your sister, why don't we pretend to be married? Let's not. Yeah. Joan Cusack never did it. No. Wouldn't stand for it. No. I bet John asked. <laughs> Last pieces of trip before we kick off. In a spectacular own goal, Hocus Pocus was released in July. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest cell phone since Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some last minute triv that I'm just going to throw in. Fun fact as well about the guy that plays Billy, uh, Doug Jones. He is a very famous uh, body actor, I would say. Uh-huh. I mean, he's an actor, but yeah. like he, so his, his body like, often does things without 
lines, mm-hmm. silent parts. Um, and often works with Guillermo del Toro. But he is the guy uh, that plays the fish man mm-hmm. that she does it with in Shape of Water. Sexy fish. The sexy fish guy. And he's also um, Eyes and Hands guy from oh, no uh, Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Isn't Sexy Fish the name of that restaurant that Jess Glynn wasn't allowed in? <laughs> no, it's like... Fishy Fishy? No. I think it is it's Sexy called... Fish. I think it is Sexy Fish, actually. It's a stupid name for a restaurant, isn't it? It's a stupid name for a pop star. <laughs> <laughs> Jess Glynn. <Yeah>. Awful. <laughs> What's wrong with her name? I don't know. She's fine. She was a real dick about that. She was very entitled. Yeah. She couldn't believe that she wasn't allowed in. She was dressed like... It... Yeah, she's just like Justin Bieber. <laughs> she just rolled out of bed. I can't believe I was denied access to this restaurant that clearly has a dress code. It's a fucking pandemic, love. Yeah. It shouldn't a... be allowed access to anything. Absolutely. Stay inside. Honestly. Lovely. Uh, so Roger Ebert, as we discussed, uh, gave it a one star. Uh, <laughs> said it was like attending a party you weren't invited to and where you don't know anybody and they're all in on a joke but won't explain it to you. <laughs> But as is often the way with cult classics, it found its audience over time. Its audience being exactly who you'd expect it to be, camp people in their 30s. So, without further ado, we present some fan reactions to Hocus Pocus. As we mentioned, as we mentioned previously, uh, let's kick off with previous contributor to BDE, Nick Lamont. The dream. Hello, it's Nick Lamont here. You may remember me as the Jerry Halliwell obsessive from episode one of Big Diva Energy. And my brand new baby daughter recently won the esteemed accolade of Holly's Diva of the Week in a recent Little Diva Energy. I'm just saying she's only a month old and she's already snatching trophies, hun. Now, I noticed that um, Tom and Holly were looking for people's people's thoughts, people's comments on the film Hocus Pocus. And I thought to myself, Nick, be chill. Be chill. Don't exaggerate. Just calmly, collectedly tell everyone how Hocus Pocus is the greatest cinematic triumph of all time. Fun fact, I wrote a play that Holly Morgan was in and I made every single character say, I love Hocus Pocus. That is how much I love Hocus Pocus. All right, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, Firstly, it's relatable. Yep. It's got a teen romance. Very relatable. It's got a sort of fraught, frustrated sibling relationship. Very relatable. Um, And, you know, it's got that thing where you raised your dead ex-boyfriend from the ground and he can't talk because you sewed his mouth up. So relate, very relatable themes. In, in this film. Um, secondly, it's nostalgic, isn't it? Um, the, the lead is a teenage boy and he has curtains. So nostalgic. Also, no one is wearing a mask or washing their hands. Oh, the days of yore. The high, the high nostalgia. I love it. Um, and finally, and most importantly, Hocus Pocus is as camp as hell. Sarah JP, she's got cleavage for days. This, these were before the Sex and the City days. Cleavage for days, and she's going around. I mean, she has a line that is literally, a oh boy, let me play with him. Like, so camp. 
um Kathina Jimmy is just she's just living her best life isn't she she's got that lip that sort of Elvis lip going up um riding around on a hoover just she's just having the best time of her life and then we come to my goddess my queen my love Bette Midler who I would like to argue is the sassiest witch in popular culture she also drops a solo number into I mean was that written in the script or did she just turn up and say I'm going to be singing and these other two very well-known actresses just going to be my backup Ugh. Anyway, um, I love this movie. I believe that from a very young age, it prepped me for a life of loving musical theatre and drag queens. Um, And for that, I thank you, Hocus Pocus. I thank you. Nick Lamont out. Love you guys. Lovely stuff. Uh, She's everything. She's so wonderful. We are going to be watching the live stream of the Hocus Pocus reunion at midnight, Greenwich Mean Time tonight, with Nick Lamont. As in the UK, it turns October the 31st. Oh, spooky. Right, should we watch the fucking film? If you are an absolute loon and are watching this for the first time or haven't watched it, um, let's do this, right? We're going to watch it in these sort of loose sections. Prologue to 90 section. 90 section to Appearance of Witches. Appearance of Witches to, the oh, the dance. Then the whole bit in the in the ball. Then balls to the end. Yes. Those are your balls to the segment. wall. Balls to the wall. So try and watch along with us. But like watch it and then pause it. You'll get the idea. We'll put a little, we'll put a little musical break. Yeah. In between. You'll when know. We, when we're going to do it. You'll know it. When the music goes. Then you will know that that is where we've braked. Yeah. <laughs> and you can skip to the next bit. So on our signal. Release hell. <laughs> so, Tom, Diva Film Club. Ready? Get set. Diva. Great. So we've just watched the prologue. Um, it is mad. <laughs> yeah. It's full on mad, isn't it? Accents. Accents. Costuming. I'm going to be honest. They're tough. They're, yeah, that is a tough one. Look, if you want to see historical verisimilitude, take yourself off to see Daniel Day-Lewis in The Crucible. Don't come. Really? <laughs> I'm not sure. Trust me, he probably lived as like a woodsman. I'm sure he did, but doesn't make the film. I mean, Winona isn't, yeah, to be fair. But uh, actually, do you know what? I'm sorry, I take it back. Very similar. The intro to to Hocus Pocus... It's very similar. ...to Daniel Day-Lewis's The Crucible. I agree. Yeah. Um, It's melodrama. Emily, I think, could have done more to avoid death. Yeah. Emily's a bit like, oh, I'm just sitting here while I'm being sucked raw by these witches. <laughs> Very odd, isn't she it? She does die, right? Yeah, yeah. She cuts them and she kind of like slumps forward. That's dark. Yeah, it's within the first five minutes. As mentioned beforehand, mm. like this is a children's film and it shouldn't be. Nope, absolutely not. 
Uh, and then you, well, you also see three women get hanged. Yes, that is also true. I mean, yeah, that's it's, it's clearly more traumatizing than just a, a girl slumping forward. Dark as fuck. We should probably address the fact here that the the Sanderson sisters myth seems to have no relation to the actual witch panic of Salem. It's it's completely divorced from yeah. that story. It's set in Salem, I guess, on the basis that Americans understand Salem to be witch. Yeah. It's like Salem equals witch. Yeah. So they've set it in Salem. And that's about it. I mean, the, the film is based in California. What is? Right? Because he's moved to California. Oh, he's from California. He's from California, yeah. Ignore he's... that. Go back before that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's this sort of idea of like New England being the witch central bit of America. Well, I guess it's like Salem itself, isn't it? Like Salem, that you go and see it and you do all the spooky stuff in, yeah. is, isn't actually where where it all went down. No. It's a couple of miles away. And it's also completely missed the point. Yeah, yeah. It has sort of turned it into Disneyland for um, uh, women that got murdered. But Yeah, uh, that's female what, genocide. Yeah, that's what we did with East End before... Um, before the five got written because that's true uh you know what if you can make the death of some women into a tourist attraction they will do it um i would say yeah i think you're absolutely right i think salem is the ripper tour mm-hmm. of america mm-hmm. yep one yep. of those things that everyone knows but no one has really interrogated how fucking atrocious it is that they think that yeah it's genuinely quite distasteful when you go there and you put it in the context of the only the only bit I think that is very reverential is the uh, is the graveyard with all of the, for people who haven't been to Salem, uh, sorry, I'm, there is an amazing memorial to the women and uh, Proctor obviously and the other other a couple a couple of men that were murdered in the witch panic and their sort of stones are very uh, reverentially arranged in a, uh, a a place in Salem. What was not reverentially arranged was the myriad of uh, merchandise stalls. And witch-themed bars. Yes, or indeed the Salem Wax Museum, which <laughs> I got a good 20 minutes of a show out of. And you will find pictures of yep. up on our Instagram. Want to see a haunted candle? Come to my Instagram. <clears throat> Honestly, absolutely incredible scenes from the Salem Wax Museum. Worth every penny that I submitted and my tax return. We got... <laughs> for going to that that museum excellent so yeah any other thoughts on the prologue i like the intro yeah with the shadow of the witch flying over the forest yes it's quite artsy and then you see uh sjp goes by the window quickly yes and then thackeray sort of sits up in bed uh yes also Worth noting that the vo- the person who voices the cat is not the same as the actor who plays. No, that's young quite apparent. Zachary Biggs. Um, don't know who his mate is as well. He's got that mate in the beginning. Where does he go? Oh yeah, there's quite a few sequences where they're both just sort of staring into the camera and really sweating very yeah. profusely. Yeah, so wet v- both moist. of them. Yeah. Um, also- Again, might be something to do with I guess maybe the director's kind of making a point about like teenage male sexuality and. The witches and... Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have a grasp of narrative for the most part, so I don't know how he'd have a grasp of subtext. Fuck knows. Also, he's got a classic trope, which is witches wanting to be younger. So that, but that's the whole point of the potion, is they're after eternal youth. When you say witches... Women. Ah, good. Yeah. Got you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, if you want to, 
I have a recording of of, my, of our full show, which I'm sure I could make available for some pounds. Uh, I, I can't remember all the research I did because it was over a year ago, guys, and mama likes a gin. But uh, essentially, the, the witch in popular culture is essentially a, a kind of signal of our discomfort with with female eccentrics and a signal of our discomfort with women who don't want to buy into the traditional uh, patriarchal roles for themselves as people so it's often a childless woman or a woman of property who gets labeled a witch because she's not doing what she's supposed to do and the sanderson sisters are winnie kind of is the most typical i guess of that which is why it's although she's often like she Billy used to be her boyfriend and then he started sleeping with her sister like that kind of D she's sort of like underminer called ugly quite a bit which mm. uh, I have toed with uh, because Bette Midler is flawless she does um, have her fake teeth in though. she's got them teeth in uh, yeah so yeah they're after eternal youth I do quite like the gag where they're like oh to explain the fact they haven't become younger than the actual actresses playing the parts. They're like, oh, we need more juice. Then yeah. then we'd be the way we want to be, but we'll have to make do. Very funny. Love it. Tonally, it's very at odds, isn't it? Because you've got like the three divas serving you like japes and then the townspeople being like, burn the witch. My daughter's dead. And then the two young men just giving like, Emily. this is this is my acting yeah. moment. Yeah. I have to give as much as I possibly can. Apparently, Thora Birch, who plays Danny, had a bit of a crush on the boy that played uh, played Zachary. Zachary. When were they in a scene together? Never. Oh, at the end, when he's all like, when he when when the cat deflates, oh and yeah, and then he comes all shimmery. That's. I think they were all on set together because they were homeschooled on the set as well. They used to hang out with the kids from um, Home Improvement. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, don't know what. Oh, Yabos was doing. She clearly can't, shouldn't have been going to school. Unless, maybe she was teaching. Do you ever get confused between Thora Birch and Thora Heard? Yeah. Yeah. Right, should we keep watching? Yep. And we're back. So we've watched the first half an hour now. Um, I take back what I said about Omri Katz. I think he's actually very good. Yeah. I said he wasn't a very good actor. He's, he's a very good actor. Did the maths as well. Him and Vanessa Shaw, who played Yabos, are both 17. Oh. Yeah. Not in real life. Yeah, they were 17 when they did it. They said they were 20. Yeah, I did the maths wrong. Oh. Both born in 76. So, actually, I take back what I said about her looking, her being about 35. When you see, when you look at them as, as a 35-year-old, you're like, yeah, they are 17. And he's very good. Omri Katz is now a hairdresser. <laughs> given up acting uh it was also in eerie indiana remember that show i i don't think i watched it yeah i think it was into goosebumps mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead yeah um any thoughts speaking about ages yeah. though jay mm. who plays the blonde bully yeah you could drive a broomstick through the gaps that he leaves between words yeah for some reason tubular one of the worst acting performances i think i've ever seen in my entire life Tobias Jelinek is still an actor. He shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. He should quit now. Yeah. I hope he's listening to this podcast because if his early work is anything to go by, it, he should not be allowed. Well, I'm going to put the boot in now and say that I've Googled both him and Larry Bagby, uh, who played Ice. Who I think is better, but speaking of ages, looks approximately 49. Yes. I'll give you this deep. 
He's dead now. Aged well. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought he'd be collecting his pension. Tobias, not so much. Oh. Uh, yeah. So the most 90s bullies of all time as well, aren't they? They couldn't be more 90s. No. I think they shouldn't have given Jay... What's the Jay's real name? Tobias Jelinek. Tobias. They shouldn't have given him quite so many laughs. Mm. He laughs a lot. And it really exposes his flaws as an actor when he has to laugh. Yeah. Like, Ice will say something, sometimes legitimately funny. Or even um, the hairdresser says... Henri Katz. Henri Katz Mm. says uh, something funny. And Jay will take about 20 to 30 seconds, throw his head back, and then take another 20 to 30 seconds and go, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. And it's meant to be a real laugh, not an evil laugh, not a wicked laugh. It's meant to just be that he found that funny. I imagine Tobias found himself frequently in the same auditions as Christian Slater. I sincerely hope he didn't well uh, yeah for his sake because that would have built up the the confidence that he had in his acting (laughs) acting ability that he should not have had very similar looking men though thora is so good oh she's amazing she's 11 yeah she's fucking brilliant she's camp as tits in this film yeah she and she's uh, genuinely the best actress in it apart from Bette midler and Cathy Jimmy and Sarah Jessica Parker. She's close fourth. Um, the bit where she's hiding in the cupboard at the beginning, short when um, when her brother's on the bed and starts talking about Alison. Is there a suggestion that he's about to crack yes, one off? Yes, yeah. there is a very, very strong, very strong suggestion. And Thora's character knows that as well yeah. because when when the black candle gets lit, she's the first one to be like a virgin lit it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she's got her brother sussed. Absolutely. Uh, which. Goes what they goes to prove what they say about women maturing quicker than men. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, going back to the bullies, mm. uh, I find it odd that they take his shoes, but mm. not his very expensive looking bike. Yeah, <laughs> he cycles his very very clearly expensive yeah. bike home. Yeah. in his socks, but they were up for the shoes. Mm-hmm. They want them snakes. Yeah, they want them snakes. Um, they also his dad. Uh, it says that he should watch his language when he says sucked, <laughs> making him the actor that plays Billy of that scene. Yeah. I think Mate, the parents... if you thought sucked is a bad word, you should wait until he's supposed to say bitch. Yeah, right. Um, I thought that the parents give me uh, quite a lot of actual feels because they're obviously just quite a little bit um, sad that he doesn't want to go out with, with Danny anymore like they used to like back in the day. And he's like yeah. quite a long-suffering... What are you going to be then, son? They're giving me big vibes and I feel like Tina Fey potentially based the parents in Mean Girls on them. Uh-huh. They've yeah. got a really similar energy unless that's just like what people do in... I guess what Americans are like. Yeah, maybe. What made them move to Salem? No idea. And I'd say this as well, like to, to add, like having been to Salem, Salem is actually really nice. Very like, nice. Like New England is a lovely area of the world and they, they capture it really nicely. But it seems to have, like, in this film, they completely bypassed the fact that that large parts of Salem have been co-opted for this kind of witch-based amusement park. Like, the very fact that Thora says, there's a museum. You're like, babe, there's, like, 250 of them. Yeah. Every building on this street is a museum based around witches. To be fair, they only just got there. She's probably not quite sussed out that it's the Camden Lock of mass murder. 
Having been there, I would say it does not take you that long. No, we no, got you... off at the train station yeah. and walked to the next nearest building, and we were like, "Oh, this place is shit filled with witches." Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Uh, did you clock how uh, Max said that he was a rap singer? Yes, in his costume. I did clock that. Interesting, isn't it? Nineteen ninety-three, a rap singer. Yeah, well, that's yeah. not the audience they were going for. They knew that his hat needed to go on the side, though. Yes, as a rapist, yeah. uh, a rap singer. Alison mm-hmm. is a lunatic, it turns out, <laughs> when he goes to her house. And I'd say, a confederate lunatic? Yeah. Either that or she lives on the set of Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Or Kathy Bates's role in Coven. Yes. Yeah, it does have... Um, it's it got does... a real plantation it's got that vibe, vibe to it. Isn't it. It's got that vibe. Yeah, well observed. Um... Also, when they get... So Alison comes with them to the house, to the... Se- well, obviously, we have the Yabos exchange. In which she says that she's got candy duty, which I think I've had many a time. Which is <laughs> oh, what yeah, I call when I've had too many beers and my poo is really sugary. Candy duty. It's candy duty. Candy duty. Uh, and then they off they go to the Salem sisters, uh, to the to the Alison sisters' house, which has got very lax security because they're in For- there in no time, like a jiffy. And there's no one else around. No. For a place which is supposedly one of the most significant spots in Salem, yeah. which is already a magnet for weirdos. Yeah. As Thora points out. Yeah. It's a full moon tonight. All the weirdos are out. Yeah, but no, they weren't there at the site of what could b- become, yeah, a ghostly apparition. Also, uh, Alison remarks, uh, legend has it there's more than 100 children were buried in these walls. Good God. Making it the Cromwell Street of Salem. <laughs> Uh, and then we get the great bit where Henri Katz says the name of the movie. Ah, I love that. Just a bit of hocus pocus. Do you know about the group of people that used to go around to cinemas and watch, they used to go as a group and watch a film and as soon as the per- someone said the name of the movie in the film, they would stand up, applaud and walk out? No, I don't know about that. Well, that was a real thing. Now I do. Right, let's go back in and watch some more. <laughs> We're back. So next up we have Amanda Brown, the lovely, the delightful, the iconic Amanda Brown, who is the creator and moderator mm-hmm. for the Hocus Pocus fan group, just known as Hocus Pocus, on Facebook, which we'll post a link to in the show blurb. But otherwise, let's hear what she has to say. Hi, my name is Amanda Brown, and I am the creator of a Hocus Pocus fan group on Facebook. We started it in 2014. I think that one of the reasons why Hocus Pocus has lasted so long and has such a cult following is that it was a classic story, but written for the modern age. We have the typical trope of the supernatural, the witches, that come and they tempt people. They make bad things happen because you made a choice that maybe wasn't what you should have made. And that's been across history. That's how we have Hades and Persephone and the way she ate the pomegranate. Because stories like that are transcendent. We are always going to have something that tempts us. And I think that's part of why Hocus Pocus is always going to be very popular with certain people. That and who doesn't love a story of witches it's like a classic fairy tale, but it happened in 1993. Who wouldn't love that? I am sure there are a million reasons why Hocus Pocus means so much to so many people. And I'm just so glad that 
we've got such amazing cast members and fans that we can all share such a magical thing. Yes. Come through, classical references. Love that. And yes, Persephone. Absolutely. For Yesphony. For Yesphony. Yes, very erudite, yeah. Lovely stuff. Classic fairy tale. Just watch the next half hour, so we're at the hour mark now. Right, so, Najimi, <laughs> being a low-key Bette Midler obsessive, the first thing she says once they're brought back from the dead to Bette Midler is, thou art perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that was unscripted. I would imagine so. They were pushing. What did you say? Nothing. I just really like your work. All but the same. Boys! <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker is fucking hilarious. They're all hilarious. So this is what I want to talk about mainly from what I've learned from that whole section yeah. is that <clears throat> it's like, that. Like I understand now, now you've explained to me that a large proportion of the film was meant to just be the witches, mm-hmm. but they had to Disneyfy it and put these kids yeah. involved instead. But like 90% of the film, like all the best bits of the film are basically just one shot of just those three and they just fuck about for a bit. Yeah. And then they move on to the next scene. Improving 100%. Yeah, it's like, it's just like three hilarious women improving. I Like frankly, the fact that Roger Ebert said, like had this to say about the performances... Mm. The performers in this movie could be accused of a lot of things, but underacting is not one of them. Watching this movie, it seemed to me as if a sort of hysteria had overcome the set, as if they realized that the story and the screenplay gave them nothing to do, but maybe they thought they could make up for that by running around and screaming hysterically at each other. It was a hard film to follow. It was a harder film to care about. It was a real hard film to sit through. I give Hocus Pocus one star, and I'm Roger Ebert. As as an amazing amazing a critic as he was like how you can watch these scenes and not go that's just fucking hilarious and 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 here's my other point i don't know how he feels about anchorman mm. however i would compare them because in the same way that no one sat there and went well anchorman doesn't make any sense you're like no it's just a load of really funny people they've just yeah. put the camera on and gone off you go and it's really funny. And then they've tied it loosely together with some plot. I would love to see the director's cut of this with those five oh. scenes back in. Can you imagine how weird it was? Unbelievable. But like, just in terms of the comedy chops, like when they come back and him going, um, the fiery ring of death. Yeah. And then them all wondering what fiery ring of death means. And Catherine and Jamie just doing her hair while she's doing it. She's like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. And they're all like having this little like powwow about like what the firing of death might be it's so brilliant that is a that is the classic uh hocus pocus comedy trope isn't it is they don't know things from the present and yeah. then, then things from the present however but those aren't those jokes aren't that funny they're not that funny we, before the firing of death or the road najimi one of her early lines is about a shishka baby oh. <laughs> Sorry for being the anachronist, the anachronist police, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure they had shish kebabs in the, the 17th century in uh, Salem. Worth it, though. Worth it. Absolutely worth it. Good to see the actor voicing Thackeray Binks is no better at the English accent than the actor that was playing him. Yeah. Also, you know, I'm going to fully hold my hand. It is 100% Thackeray. Al- uh, Yabos gives it a good old th- at one stage. Yeah. I just, we just misheard it. Thackeray. Me. I just misheard it. 
Max's mind is blown by the talking cat. <laughs> and yet, he's just seen three women come back from the dead. He's Omri Katz gives the biggest, like, reaction of the whole film to the talking cat. <laughs> which I would argue is more successful than Salem and Sabrina, which would, would, be, would have come later. Yeah, I also want to say about the cat, mm-hmm. the bit where it gets run over by the bus and then reinflates is horrifying. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is full body horror. It's like a fucking <laughs> David Cronenberg film. It yeah. is so upsetting. Yeah. But he's fucking immortal, guys. Why haven't you got this? Oh, yeah. I guess the children had to go through that trauma to realise, oh, that's what it means. He comes back from the dead. Uh, other really upsetting things, I would say, from that section of the film. Mm. The bus driver making an <gasps> obscene joke about impregnating the witches. Awful! <laughs> we desire children. Oh, give me the... Like, what? Yeah, give me Kids a couple of tries, film. I'll get it done. <laughs> Not, no, no, thank you. And then Peter Stringfellow slash Phil from Somebody Feed Phil as the devil is profoundly upsetting. Yeah. They're sex people, Lynn. They're sex people. And as we know, it's Gary Marshall and his sister. So it's really fucking upsetting. Bet there's a section just after they, um, <laughs> after the fiery reign of death where Bette Midler handles all of the exposition. <laughs> <laughs> she just literally goes, this is what we've got to do. We're, this is the potion. We've got till morning. Uh, everyone okay on the plot? And then Catherine and Jimmy goes, and Sarah Shuck is, and then they just get on with it. Bette Midler carries this film. They're all brilliant, but she is doing so much of the legwork. How anyone, I go back to my original point, how anyone, including Roger Ebert, can look at that performance and say that is not an absolute fucking masterclass yeah. in comedy camp is an idiot. Idiot. It is amazing. It is so funny. Every single blink of her eye is comedic. Yeah. Like, she is so funny in this film. I cannot get over it. She's also, like, constantly working. There's a bit where, yeah. where she's, like, asking asking um, Gary Marshall for the book, and he denies it to her, and then she's sort of like... <laughs> After the background, I'm like, the scene's moved on, but she's still in she's the moment. Still, she's still in the moment. Speaking of constantly working, the yeah. guy that plays Billy, I'm sorry, I know he's yeah. a very famous, very successful body actor. He's doing too much in this film. <laughs> he is doing too much in this film. Mm. A lot of people find Billy hot. No. Mm. The bits where he sort of goes around corners and his arms go before and then after he does. Yeah. It's just too much for Quite me. Quite a thriller, isn't it? There's a lot of shaking of the wig. Yeah. It's not, no, no. His performance, I'm going to be honest, is not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, as are the Halloween costumes worn by the children, which are eccentric to say the least. I clocked Henry VIII, <laughs> an angel and an astronaut. Now... Although that was very funny when they went, what the hell is that? <laughs> Look at the astronaut. Because it just looked like a large egg on a tiny baby's body. This is the one bit that I will say is not, they've not gone for realism with this film because there was not one slutty teen no. or one gym twink. <laughs> if that was real Halloween. Well, that's how you know it's, it's pure fantasy. Yeah. That and the fact that there's a white cop who's being intimidating to white kids. Yeah, although he isn't a real cop. No, so that makes sense. Which tells you something about what people consider fancy dress in Salem. Well, yeah. Like, oh, I've dressed as a policeman. Ooh, but the fact that he was getting all, <laughs> the fact that he was getting all up in those white kids' grill, I was like, this is fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so many people being run over, though. Yeah, big theme. I need to. <laughs> I need to see less of people getting hit by cars because, again, not a. It's a kids' film. Yeah. Um, 
when they leave the house of the the man they think is Satan, mm. can you remember why they leave that house? Because the dog. Yeah, scared of dogs. They definitely had dogs in the days of yore. Oh, they're acting like dogs are like fax machines or something. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's in the, it's in the same. Like what is the beast? It's, like, a, dog. it's a dog. Like, <laughs> like, Hades had a dog. Are they just really scared of dogs? Yeah, I think so. Okay, fine. Oh, witches and cats are like a thing, right? So do they like them. No, but witches are related to cats. Oh, I see. Okay. As in witches are intertwined with cats, so maybe dogs is a bad thing. It's like an That's internal logic that was logic. never explained. <laughs> yeah. Ah, dog. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of internal logic that's never explained. Thora, at this point, so consistently telling people that he is a virgin, has become pathological. Yeah. It is, it's getting weird now. The only you, film yeah. I'd seen at this point, by the time when I was this age, when this came out, no, no much older, much older. Mm. The only film I can think of where people are this preoccupied with people's virginity is American Pie. Yeah, yeah. In which that's the entire, forms the entire basis of the plot. Yeah, yeah. I, and American I, Pie is, is like a 15 or maybe an 18. I'd and argue, was considered like one of the most outrageous films anyone had ever seen when it came out. I'd argue that you, you in, virginity is more integral to the plot of Hocus Pocus <laughs> than it is to American Pie. Maybe. Let's crap back on. We're about to get into the, uh, the Halloween ball. contributor i can't quite believe i'm saying this because i'm big fan bit starstruck to be h we've got a, contrib- a contribution here from peaches christ who we saw their production of hokum pokum two years ago which was fucking hilarious feet peaches herself and none other than miss jinx monsoon season five winner of, of, of rupaul's drag race it was fucking hilarious and uh the i, I really love i love uh, peaches contribution i thought makes them such a big fan of this film so let me share it with you all hi everybody it's me peaches christ and i just wanted to let you know why i personally have fallen in love with the movie hocus pocus and uh basically it was introduced to me by jinx monsoon i did not grow up with it because i'm old but um, I, I sort of thought that that terrible Disney movie with Bette Midler, it, it can't possibly be any good. I, I'd never watched it. I was too cool for it. But then I sat down and I dove in and I, I opted to watch it with open eyes, wondering why do so many queer young people love it? And it was pretty immediately obvious. Uh, not only is it just a camp spectacle, but it's three women, three actors who clearly we know have surrounded themselves with gay men for their entire lives and are friends with gay men. And it's these three women doing drag. It is a drag performance, much like Elvira is a drag performance. The, the stars of Hocus Pocus, all three of them, but especially Bette Midler are serving high camp flawless drag performances as the witchy Sanderson sisters. And that is why I love it so much. And I can just watch it over and over and over again. Oh, what a dream boat. What an absolute dream. I would honestly have not believed that Peaches had not seen that film Mm. as as a child. Yeah. It's so loving. Hocum Poker is such a loving tribute. And as we, we actually went with, previous contributor to this podcast 
and then previous to that, uh, Nick Lamont. He did. Who adored it because it was it just captured everything about the film that is so beloved to people that are fans yeah. of it. So I just love the fact that they managed to incorporate that whilst I know. like I just obviously saw something well, she explained it very eruditely, but the way that it's sort of incorporated, like that that sort of love mm. that comes from it. I love a parody like that I as know. well. Peaches is obviously like a real cinephile because a lot of the, of her events are... She's a filmmaker as well. Yeah. Okay, great. That that shows it, doesn't it? Because the detail that goes into the productions. Next time that they are touring, which hopefully won't be after too much longer, mm-hmm. do get yourself along because they're always fucking brilliant. Yeah, just before the Penny D, we just missed uh, Death uh, Drag Becomes Her. Ugh. Incredible. Yes. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. I mean, the bit of the ball just it just it just needed its own section, didn't it? Um, Unbelievable. It, the mum. <laughs> it's the most heartbreaking moment <laughs> of the film. The way she responds, "I'm Madonna, I, I, aren't I? I mean, yeah." And then does this kind Madonna. of like. Please. <laughs> oh, it's. She's got real. I get one of these a year energy, isn't she? <laughs> Yeah. One night where I get to pretend to be Madonna and my husband insists on doing his stupid vampire material. Uh, when they, when the Sanderson sisters arrive, Winnie elbow punches Najimi. Stop hitting each other. Like, twice in about a bar. <laughs> <laughs> like, was that just, was she just pissing her off getting too close that day? She's more dangerous than Billy is because yeah. frankly, Billy, what is he going to do when he catches someone? All he does is wave his arms around and three times I clocked in that scene where he got to the people, went to get them, went, got to the kids, went to get them and then someone else got in the way and it just, he's just sort of like put his arm around them. Yeah. And it was like, if you'd actually caught that kid, what, what would you, what were you actually going to do? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because Billy's a goodie, but we don't know that yet. So he's just waving his arms he's around. He's just waving his arms around. Why it takes him so long to realise he should just cut his mouth open? <sighs> Anyone's guess. Um, Sarah is such an nymphomaniac that she's in that hall for about a hot minute before she's snogging an ass like a mummy. Yeah. Fine. Good for you. <laughs> um, You'd think she would have gone for a daddy, but. Yeah. Now look, the the anachronistic not the Sandersons know a lot about pop culture, but they didn't know roads. So things they know about <laughs> <laughs> they know about Screaming Jay Hawkins. Screaming Jay Hawkins. Elton John, because yeah. she says the witch is back. Sure. Uh they know about uh just doo wop in general. They know um, about as you mentioned earlier, uh, shish kebab. Yep. They know about... Um, they don't know about pavements. No. Nope. Dogs. <laughs> but they do know how to uh, essentially perform uh, a tight club act. Off the bat. Off the bat. Type five. I live for the way that Bette Midler just like absolutely serves which, 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 until the end when she's just like, I'm just going to belt this bit. <laughs> just bet Midler. I'm just going to be bet Midler. I am amazing. It is it is incredible. It is I just incredible. had the hugest grin on my face the yeah. entire way through that song. It's just just so good. It's so funny. Like, even as someone who doesn't even really who didn't grow up with the film. Mm. The moment when she goes, "Thank you for that marvelous introduction." I'm just like, just and so I'm in. I fucking this is just so such iconic cinema. Yeah, I love it. 
I love the way the girls just instantly settle into a shoop shoop. Like this is something they used to do for their mum and dad. At- I still think Kathy, I still think Kathy Najimy is doing a bit too much. Really? Like she tries to do about four different hand movements at one point, and yeah. then like one of those movements involves putting a uh, peace sign up behind Bette Midler's head. Oh right! But like really, really quickly, and you're like. Yeah, just choose one. She's just reaching for her. She's just grabbing at her when she thinks think she's she distracted. Probably was. I think she was reaching for her wig. Yeah. Like to touch her. So she could take it home. And then was like, no, don't, don't, don't. Just, oh, oh peace. Oh. Right, let's get back in. And we finished watching the film. Welcome back. Well, let, before we get to the triumphant ending. So, um... In a list of things the Sanderson sisters know about, <laughs> add in margarine and olive oil. Sure. When Najimi's talking about the things you can make with some sort of shellfish that she smells outside the restaurant. Yes, yes. that restaurant section as well. Yeah. I was really pleased with because mm-hmm. uh, at the back of it, we've got a reference to Salem's thriving seafood scene. Yes. And because that's the person throwing it out, the reference to their piratical history. Which we know about from the Salem Pirate Museum. Very true. Yes, neglected to mention the Salem Waxwork Museum covers both the famous witch panic and their history of piracy. So, you know, a twofer. You get one thing, Salem. You get one thing. You can't have witches and pirates. Witches and pirates. No. Honestly, it's too many themes. Come Sorry. to our party, witches and pirates. No. <laughs> I'm not coming. I'm not coming. Too many themes. Uh, the bit when Max is sort of dicking about on the intercom in the empty school. How does he know who Boris Karloff is? Yeah. I mean, he he could be a a, a, a film buff. He's not. I, what I did get from that was like, no wonder he's a virgin. <laughs> oh. Aye. Lordy Lou. Uh, the walk, you know, the iconic... Huh, 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 huh. Yes. Do you think they cover that in the month of rehearsals? <laughs> It looked somewhat like they did. It slows yes. everything down. They're like, get her. <gasps> her. <laughs> like, just run. So many times in this film, people could do things quicker. Like when Winnie's coming for them at the end on the, on the, hoof, on the, on the broom, Billy just stands there for a good like 10 seconds like, no. And then Danny does exactly the same thing. It's like the Austin Powers steamroller. It really is. Him. And then she kicks his head off. Yeah. That Not was a sight to behold. Time. Yeah. They get them in the oven via the French tape lesson. Thing. After wandering through the friend's set. Yes, yeah, they wander through the friend's set with the fountain. Yeah. Then they get in the oven, then there's the boring bit where we think they're dead for a bit. It is boring, apart from the fact that they need to give us a good 20 minutes to try and work out how they survived the incinerator. Yes. All I know <laughs> is they come out and Bette Midler improvises... A line which she then repeats in French for no apparent reason. <laughs> Is it what was on the tape that lured them into the oven? Maybe. I don't know. Where is my book? She says, and then she says, "Ouais, mon livre." Yeah, it's a callback to the French to the the book that was like the the tape. It's oh. very clever, actually. Oh, sorry. Well Must done, that bit. I did go to the toilet at one yeah, that, point. Yeah, it's when you time. went to the loo. So they 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 have a, a tape recorder in there, going like "La Bibliothèque." It's like a French thing. Ah, oh, okay. It makes no sense. Um, although I, I believe I, googling old reviews for the film. Yeah. I didn't watch it, but I stumbled across a video that was, 
How do the Hocus Pocus witches survive the incinerator? It's like a whole YouTube video dedicated to the logic of it. I guess, yeah, that's interesting. We should watch that at some point. I mean, they do die by burning, but burning from the sun? Can only be burnt by the sun? Maybe. Don't interrogate it too much, I reckon. I wouldn't if I you. There's, if the problem is, if you start to interrogate that particular yeah, piece, oh, the, the whole house, house of cards, cards falls down. <laughs> um, then they go back to the house and we get the fun uh, bit. All that bit. Excellent. The bit where the nail rips open the screen window is yeah. genuinely frightening. Yeah. Like, that's a genuine like image from a horror film, mm. which must have stayed with quite a few kids that watched that. Yeah, good point, actually. However, punishing the bullies for calling them ugly is great. Yes, absolutely. I thought, what did you say? I thought all the, I thought only the... Why do I need the... Why, do, why is it only all the ugly chicks stay out stay after, out after yeah. the, And then turn around and they're like, and the next thing you see them in cages, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's the right thing to do. Good for you. Um, no wonder Nick Lamont loved this film. Yeah. <laughs> Max and the gang leave the bullies to die. I love that. <laughs> I've written that down as well. Yeah. Leave them, leave them. Leave them to die, literally. Fuck them. They're like... Because like in all other sort of Disney films at least, but like a lot of other films, the hero is so benevolent Yeah. that the bullies go, you can't help us. And he goes to go out and then goes, no, I've got to get them. And goes back and like risks his own life to help them. He's like, fuck them. Literally, fuck him. Give him my shoes. His girlfriend's doing a little dance by the car. Yeah, that's he's like her moment of comedy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and she took it with both hands. She certainly did. I loved the Seven Up product placement. Yes, very mm, prominent. Very nineties, very Disney. Lovely stuff. Then we get the iconic scene of Sarah Jessica Parker lightly frotting herself on a broom and yeah. Catherine Jimmy on a Hoover. Um, which adds to the fact that basically every time SJP doesn't know what else to do, she just screams boys. <laughs> or boy. Yeah. Love it. Boys! Um, when they have the whole bit where they go to the, they open the book and then they come and they grab Danny and all that bit. When they leave, they blow the roof off their house. <laughs> when, oh, yeah. when their parents come back. After, when they come back. Do you reckon they fucked off? Well, you see them going down the steps at the end of the film saying, I thought LA was a party town, which again is inappropriate. (laughs) (laughs) As is the final line of the film still containing a reference (laughs) to a virgin. I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. We got it! (laughs) (laughs) We hasn't fucked! (laughs) Is it? There's something vaguely post-coital about the bit where like yes. they're all hanging when they wake up yeah. in the room with the book but and the Danny's book's like desperately looking like there's like a real image of like the fact that like they've both they've both obviously been not not even fucking like just doing something horrible and like yeah. teenage and then they both sort of like mm, as they wake up and the book's like oh, what have I just seen? <laughs> <Things> I've seen. <laughs> In 400 years, I haven't seen anything as horrible as what I just witnessed. Gross. <gasps> um, yeah. <laughs> it's such a weird insistence on the importance of virginity. Virginity's a construct, Disney. Oh, come on. And also not a construct that you should be exploring <laughs> in children's films. Fucking hell. I don't really, I mean, I've got, it's not literally called, obviously you, one is a virgin until one's had sex, but we've put too much currency on 
virginity. Thank you. Off my side, put soapbox there. Anyway. Oh, speaking of soapbox, yeah. right. Going back to my point that I made earlier as well about like the performances from the women. Yeah. I'm calling fucking misogyny because mm. this is exactly the same time as Jim Carrey and Robin Williams were absolutely ruling the roost yes. in terms of performances that were that you could see from space. Yeah. It was literally like the Great Wall of China, Truman's Big House. Yeah. And those two people's performances. Yeah. And uh, three women turn up and basically do what is ostensibly a, a Jim Carrey performance, yeah. which is just rolling eyes, big moments, yeah. genuine like physical comedy. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, so over the top. Oh, these people are like, oh my God, they must have had so much drugs on set. Like, look at them all like yeah. just having the time of their lives while we're here bored to death. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, what is it, Ace Ventura? If it's not someone having the time of their life on set with too much cocaine so and everyone true. else like being bored to death. Massage. I'm calling massage now. I'm calling massage. I'm also saying that cat until right at the end is fucking useless. That... What is the point of that stupid boy cat? <laughs> he didn't do anything. I was I literally wrote this in my notes and was like, this cat is fucking useless. <laughs> and then literally the moment I stopped writing it. He jumped on the witch and, and stopped her. And yeah. I was like, okay, fine. He's not completely useless. But And then he makes a real song and dance about it. It's like, basically, you jumped on it, you bit a hand. That's the only thing you've done in this to move the narrative on in this entire film. And then you have the audacity to make a big song and dance about like when you come back and you're all ghostly. Ooh. And then you inappropriately kiss a prepubescent girl. What is with that? There's something going on there that's not, they're not sitting right. Yeah. Also... Two things. I'm not saying they purposely put them side by side, but mm. I'm just saying, cat mate, mm-hmm. you kissed a little girl and then you walked away talking about a virgin. Yeah. So just, yeah. I'm not saying they're connected, but those two there. things are side by side in your performance. He's giving me big the beast when he becomes a prince oh, vibes. Nice. Uh, I think it's just the open shirt. Um... Other... Maybe it's just that dangerous energy that he has about being around young girls. Yeah, probably that. I've always wanted a child. I'll have one. A toast <laughs> is absolutely superb. Iconic. <laughs> Iconic. Um, here, here are my last sort of four notes. They move very slowly on the broomsticks. Move. Trolley mob. <laughs> oh, she references a trolley mob. Does she? Call... What is a trolley mob? Oh, I think she said trolley mom. What? It's like, I think, isn't it like a sharp elbowed middle class mum? Like a soccer mum who's like with a trolley in a in a Costco. She says it to Danny. She's like, you little trolley mob. No, I think she says like, I thought trolley mums were bad or something. Oh. I could be wrong. No idea. Yeah. Uh, Also, they can't touch the ground. So why is Winnie on the ground at the She falls on the ground. Yeah, but this hallowed ground. She's not supposed to. That's the whole point. That's why they've been doing this charade with flying around. Once again, house of cards. (laughs) Shall come tumbling around thee. And then you get a very brief moment where you look, see the statue. I think there's a, I think there's a, I th- okay. You think there's a cut scene? Yeah. Because yeah. you see the statue and it's actually quite good at the very, very end. But there's a moment where the statue is in 2D. Where hmm. it just looks like a really shitty picture of Winifred Sanderson. And then you zoom out and it's like, oh, it's quite a good statue of Bette Midler. Somewhere in the middle... It looks like a sort of crude drawing. Hmm. How has that happened? Riddle me this. 
I was less confused, but more of the fact I was trying to work out why it is that there is a picture of um, that one of them, i.e. Bette Midler, turns into a statue whilst the other two just explode. Yeah. They do a sort of laser display and then explode. She then explodes, to be fair. But why does she turn into stone first? I don't know. And why is Sarah's last word Winnie rather than boys? (laughs) Good call. Um, Why is the last word of the film virgin? (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. That's the the last... Of the main film, the last sentence contains the last virgin. And then the final one is a joke about how people taking drugs in LA. Yeah. Also, the mum has forgotten the tune of I Put a Spell on You. She has. Despite having been listening to it for the I last think they, like five hours. I think they did one take of that scene. Yeah. And she hadn't watched it for a bit and they just went, you know what, fuck it, it's fine. It's, it's just fine. going over the credits. Yeah. <laughs> and then the, the door is left open for a sequel by the book opening its eye. Yeah. And that's It's sequel. haunted eye. <laughs> the things I've seen. Hi. And then, talking of sequels, we're going to go now and watch the live stream that's about to occur. This is it. In our lives. Very Ooh. excited. Thank you so much for listening to this inaugural Diva Film Club. Yeah. So that was it. That was it. That was Hocus Pocus. That was Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus, which so was great. Good. I so loved that. good. Getting to rewatch that was an absolute treat. I know. It's so good. I take it all back. It isn't a good, bad film. It's just a good film. It's a great film. Yeah. It's a genuinely great film. With great performances. Yes. Speaking of treats, Mm -hmm. that's been it. That's been Big Diva Energy's Diva Film Club. (gasps) Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. We have a Patreon account. We do. One of the tiers, well, A tier above... We'll get you if you subscribe as a patron, as a pa- if you subscribe as a patron to Big Diva Energy's Patreon account, uh, which just uh, kind of helps us out with a couple of little things like being able to pay for equipment and being able to pay for advertising and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of financial help just to keep the pod running. Mm-hmm. That one of those tiers, and then all of the ones above that enable you to get More a of monthly Diva Film Club. So it'll be like this every month. We will tell you what uh, film we're going to do, what diva-related film we're going to do. Maybe Witches of Eastwick, staying on the witch theme. Yes. Maybe Beaches, staying on the Bette Midler theme. Maybe Sex in the City 2, staying on the SJP theme. Oof. Let's not. Oof, Liza's dance. <laughs> um, so what we would really like to be able to do is for uh, as many subscribers as possible to uh, decide that they're going to give a little bit of money every yep. month. The Just tiniest a- thing that you can afford... Um, and which we will furnish you with an episode monthly of Diva Film Club where you'll know what the film is and then we will have these chats. We'll reach out to friends and uh, fans alike of the films mm-hmm. and, and have them um, give us their thoughts and we'll do a roundup of the film, watch it, chat along and then uh, offer up the opportunity for you guys to engage with us as well. Yeah. That's the pretty much the premise. So, hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed this inaugural episode of Big Diva Energy Diva Film Club. If you did and you want to reach out and have a chat, share your BDE stories with us, maybe even your own Hocus Pocus related stories, or just tell us if you know what the fuck's going on with the statue at the end. Or why they survived the incinerator. Right in! You've got many means of contacting us. You can tweet us at Diva Energy. You can find us on Instagram at Big Diva Energy or Facebook at Big Diva Energy Pod or email us at Big Diva Energy Pod at gmail.com. This podcast is a Dark Matters production. Huge thanks. 
to Amanda Brown, Nick Lamont and Peaches Christ. If we put a spell on you, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. If you thought we ran amok, amok, amok with your beloved fave, get, get in, in the, the incinerator. incinerator. Bye! Bye.